I am here for two reasons. To eat tasty fall treats like apple cider donuts and pumpkin scones and talk about wrestling. And wouldn't you know it, I ate all the fall treats. I have no more apple cider donuts. I have no more pumpkin scones. So you know what that means. Hello, everybody. Thank you for downloading this. Thank you for listening to it. Thank you for having me in your ears. My name is Neil Gorman, and this podcast, its name has changed. It's the second episode, and already I'm being inconsistent. The first episode was called Heel Face. I came up with that name. I thought I was being original. I thought I was being brilliant. I thought nobody else would have ever thought of this, but it turns out I was wrong. There is actually another podcast out there called Heel Face. And, you know, they got to the name first, so I was like, you know what, I'm not going to try to do this. And I decided I'm going to not call my podcast Heel Face, and I, I needed a new name. I didn't know what to call it. I thought about it for a while. I came up with a bunch of different ideas, and then I had, an, I, I thought, I had a memory which led me to an idea, and that's what I want to explain to you now. So the new name of this podcast is Me Heart Wrestling. And this name, like I said, came from a memory. I'm going to try to explain this to you. So during the Attitude Era of WWE, during the Monday Night Wars era between WCW and WWE, then WWF, I worked for a store that you can find in many malls across the United States of America. The store was Hot Topic. And Hot Topic was one of those stores that really jumped on the wrestling bandwagon when I was there, which was cool because I was somebody who liked wrestling. And so now this place that I worked, I was in high school at the time, it uh, it was getting with this thing that I already liked. South Park was really big then as well, just kind of maybe for uh, some context, I guess. When I worked at Hot Topic, there was this thing like every holiday season – they were trying to predict, you know, what would be the the coolest thing, and they'd want to order that merchandise and sell that merchandise. And there was one year where the the big thing was going to be wrestling and South Park, and they got a bunch of Shawn Michaels shirts and DX shirts and Austin three sixteen shirts and those sorts of things. And I was I was working there then, and I was loving it. You know, I I'm a wrestling fan. Here's this place where I work, and all of a sudden, it's interested in wrestling. I have. People asking me about wrestling. I have people coming into the store and we're talking about wrestling. It was a fun time. But I was the only person in the store that I worked who liked wrestling. All of the other people who worked at the store thought wrestling was dumb. And they were rolling their eyes at it. They they were like, I can't believe that we're selling wrestling merch. You know, which is funny, right? I mean, because the people who work at Hot Topic, these are, are not... They're a certain kind of person, right? I, I can say this. I am I was one of them to some degree. I still am one of them. 
we we were the kinds of people who you know got judged a lot by other people because of kind of uh unfortunate fashion choices and stuff like that it was it was funny i mean this was one of those instances where you had people who were oftentimes being harshly judged for various sorts of like reasons than harshly judging but they thought like you know i I might be a weirdo but i'm not a wrestling fan kind of and so that that was the attitude i guess that i was confronted with during this time at the same time that this was going on you know when i worked at hot topic they they sold stickers there were you'd go up to buy whatever you were buying and right by the register there would be a bunch of stickers and there was this thing called units per transaction and what that was was this metric where the number of items that a person bought, like all of the all of the transactions, all the items that were sold in a day, all the SKUs that were sold got added up. And then that got divided by the total number of transactions, which was always, of course, a smaller number. So just to maybe illustrate this, if you had three customers in a day, of course, you would have more than that. But let's just keep this simple. If you had three customers in the day, one person you know, bought one thing, the next person bought two things. And then the next person also bought or bought three things. So you'd have six. Six total items would have been sold. You would divide that by three, and that would give you your units per transaction. And they always wanted that number to go up, right? So we were always trying to upsell people, get them to buy like some stupid little thing, like a sticker, which didn't cost a lot of money to raise the units per transaction. And Hot Topic thought that it would be fun to put this to have a contest for the employees the the contest was this come up with the best sticker idea and submit that to to us and we'll select the sticker ideas that we think are cool and then there'll be a second contest where the the stickers that we selected we're going to see which one of those stickers sells the best and the sticker that sells the best is going the whoever came up with that idea is going to get some big gift certificate to hot topic the place where you work so that was the the idea here. And there was this dude who I worked with. His name was Paul. And Paul was the person who looked down on wrestling more than anybody else in that store. He not only was kind of like rolling his eyes at it, he was like giving it the middle finger. He was like, I cannot believe that we are selling wrestling stuff. We're a bunch of goth kids. We are the kinds of people who get uh, beat up by wrestling fans. He, he had this, he just didn't like wrestling, I guess. He didn't like wrestling fans. He didn't like anything about it. And he came up with this sticker idea. It was me, a, a picture of a heart wrestling. And he thought, you know, this is funny because it's like, you know, re- instead of saying like, I like wrestling, wrestling fans are stupid and they go, me like wrestling. So that was his thing. And that sticker got selected and it, they made it. And then it was the sticker that sold the best out of all of the stickers that got submitted. And so that was kind of funny, right? That, that, that happened. Here's the second thing about it though. And this is maybe to the chagrin of Paul, the guy who came up with this idea when he made the sticker, what ended up happening is a bunch of people who would buy wrestling shirts would also buy the sticker. And, you know, Paul thought that that was just proving his point that these wrestling fans are so dumb. They don't know that they're being made fun of. And I remember saying something to him like, I, I don't think that you get it, man. I think that wrestling fans are just like in on this joke. We don't take ourselves particularly seriously. Unlike, you know, he was a, an ultra goth and he took himself and his gothness very seriously. And I'm like, you know, the that's just not happening over here in the wrestling world. We're having fun and we don't mind making fun of ourselves because 
that can be fun. And this is cool. Like, I mean, so whatever. Anyway, so that that's the story here. And I, I remembered that sticker. And I thought, you know what? On this podcast, sort of the tone that I'm trying to strike is not being the kind of person who nitpicks things about wrestling and, you know, is like, eh, you know, like there's this thing that happened and it didn't like really work for me. I don't want to have that sort of a tone where I'm I'm overly critical of this thing that I really enjoy. I just want to enjoy it. I want to have fun enjoying it. And so that's why I'm making this podcast. And I thought me heart wrestling would work as a title. I spelled it kind of, uh, it is another reference here. I spelled it. I spelled heart in the me heart wrestling, the way that Brett Hart spells his name, H A R T. So it's me H A R T heart wrestling. And so I thought that was kind of cool too. I don't know if you'll think that's cool. I think that's cool. And I'm the one making the podcast. And so that's the way that I'm doing it. Yeah. Okay. So that was my, my intro segment here. I, I guess I kind of sort of, was that cutting a promo? I don't know if it was cutting a promo. It was like story time with Neil Gorman instead of story time with Adam Cole. You guys story time with me. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And having said all that, we are now going to move on to the next segment in this podcast, the one, two, three. this segment of the podcast, what I like to do is I like to find three things going on in the world of professional wrestling. It might be a match. It might be a promo. It might be a piece of news. It could be anything. Just three things from the world of professional wrestling that have caught my attention. I think they're interesting. Number one, uh, during AEW Grand Slam, Mox, who has a concussion, I found out this morning when I was looking at news feeds about wrestling, you know, that the match that he had with Ray Phoenix, that did not go the way that I guess it was supposed to go. I, what I'm gathering here is that the plan was for Mox to maintain to continue being the champion, but he was hurt. And uh, he called an audible, and Ray won the match. And now he is the new international champion at AEW. So uh, first thing I want to say before getting, I guess, into this piece here is that I, I hate it when wrestlers get hurt. That sucks. That's That's awful. And I hope that one, Max is not hurt badly, and that two, he recovers quickly. So, anyways, um, during the match, prior to him calling an audible and ending the match in a way that I don't think anybody, fan wise or people within AEW, expected, he used a particular move. It's called the stomp. Now, if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar with it, but let's just say, just in case, maybe this is oddly somebody's first wrestling podcast they've ever listened to. Could happen, right? It's basically where your opponent is down on the mat and they kind of like start to get up on their hands and knees and then you you run at them usually from a corner and you put your foot on the back of their head and you you stomp down, you push their, their face into the, the mat and their head bounces off it and they're incapacitated as a result of this. That's the stomp. This is a move that is associated with the current WWE heavyweight champion Seth Rollins. Moxley and Seth Rollins kind of came up together with Roman Reigns. They had this thing called the Shield. That was their their thing when they kind of broke out of NXT and onto the WWE main roster. 
So they were all together. I, I don't know if Mox was kind of like trying to wink over at, at Seth Rollins or not, but he used Seth Rollins' move. And what I heard as I was watching this is the crowd start to sing Seth Rollins' song. And they all start going, you know, oh, 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 oh. You heard that. You heard it for a while. And I liked that. I, I was really happy when that happened. And the reason I was happy is that, you know, AEW and WWE are, you know, they're competitors. They're, they're different promotions. And sometimes people act like if you are into one, you either can't be or shouldn't be into the other. I don't buy into that, but it, it does happen. And when you see something like that, when you see people at an AEW show watch John Moxley use Seth Rollins' move and start singing Seth Rollins' song, Seth, that that is a cool thing because it shows, to me, that wrestling really belongs to us, belongs to the fans. And we can cross over, right? We can like AEW and WWE. We can watch both. We can love both. And moments like that, I think, really illustrate it. It was really cool. I'm I'm so happy that it happened. I'm happy that the people who were, I guess, uh, at the controls, you know, didn't try to filter that in any way. I, I mean, I don't know how they would do that, but assuming that they had the ability to do that, they didn't. They they let it go on, and I thought that's really cool in in so many ways. Additionally, this is this is a bit of a add on to this this first thing. There was a second thing that happened here mjf had this quick video package that played right before he went out for his match with samoa joe and it was this homage to an old wwe thing that brett hart who hearts like heart in me heart wrestling that brett hart did where he was about to go out to a match and and a kid saw him and was like that's brett hart and you know brett hart came over and gave the kid the sunglasses and the kid was like you know go get him champ it was pretty cheesy, but it's one of those things that if you're a certain kind of wrestling fan, you you saw that, right? I was the kind of wrestling fan who was, I was a Bret Hart fan, if you can't tell from the title of this podcast. You know, one of my huge fantasies was to be able to go to a WWF show and sit ringside and have Bret Hart give me his glasses, which is what happened in that that video package. If you you want, you can go to YouTube and look this up, I'm sure, you know, if you just google um you know something like or google if you type into the search bar youtube bret hart kid or whatever you'll probably find this so mjf did this and it was a really cool little i think homage mjf now has done this twice i talked about this on the last podcast i talked about how his steiner math promo that he cut was a really cool reference to a match that scott steiner had had with samoa joe at impact wrestling and here you see mjf paying homage to Bret Hart, uh, a WWE former superstar. Uh, this is really cool. I, I think that MJF is showing me and us just how much of a fan he is, which makes him, I think, extremely relatable to to me and I'm assuming to you, whoever you are. We like wrestlers that we can relate to and MJF, as he's kind of pivoting from being a heel to being a bit of a tweener, I think leaning more towards babyface at this moment by doing these sorts of things. I think he is helping us 
see that we can identify with him. He is a gigantic wrestling dork, and we are gigantic wrestling dorks. So in that way, we can say we're the same. Now, I'm sure that MJF, if he were to hear something like this, I don't think he actually will hear this podcast. But if somehow he did, uh, I'm sure that he would say, you know, don't get ahead of yourself there, dude. I'm better than you. And he is better than me at a a lot of things. But one of the ways that I, I think we are the same, that I am not better than him, he is not better than me, that we can be on a sort of same level is that we are both gigantic wrestling fans. And I think that that is really, really cool. So yeah, the MJF promo, Mox using the stomp, the Seth Rollins song, all that happening at AEW Grand Slam. I thought that was all really, really cool. It was a way to let wrestling fans and people who are not fans of just AEW, but people who are fans of wrestling as a whole have a couple of moments they could all really, really enjoy it was a blast. I'm really happy that all those things happened. Second thing, uh, I saw something, and this was on Ringside News. If you go to the website for the show, there will be a link to this. Uh, it said that the past two episodes of NXT were both higher than 800,000 viewers for two weeks in a row now. And Becky Lynch has been on the show for two weeks in a row. And I think that she's getting a lot of credit for that number. And that makes sense. I mean, she is probably a big reason that people are are watching. But what I wanted to highlight here is that I don't think it's only Becky Lynch. I think that she's a huge part of this. I also think, though, that it's Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio is going to NXT and he is doing some great stuff there. And I think that people are watching NXT because they want to see somebody take the title, the North American title off Dom Dom. That's what I think is happening here. You know, people watch wrestling not just to see the baby faces win. They watch wrestling because they want to see the heels lose. And man, Dom is somebody who's doing, I think, some of the greatest heel work that I've seen in a really, really long time. The The way that he is doing what he's doing is incredible. Uh, confession. Right now, Dominic Mysterio is my favorite wrestler. Period. He is my favorite. I adore the way that he is doing what he's doing. I think that it is smart. I think that it is some of the best heel work I have ever seen. And I'll probably talk more about that at some future episode of the show. But right now, I just wanted to say, Dominic Mysterio, he is I, I, hes my favorite right now. My favorite wrestler changes <laughs> as things in wrestling change. But for, for right now, Dominic Mysterio is definitely my favorite wrestler. I love the way that he's being a heel. And I think that he is a part of the reason why more people are getting interested in NXT. One of the things that WWE seems to be doing right now, which is really smart, is they're taking some of their main roster talent and they're recognizing that by putting those main roster talents on NXT, that that gets people interested in NXT. And if people get interested in NXT, they get interested in the wrestlers, the men and women who are wrestling at NXT. This is a really, really smart move. And the way that they're doing it is also really cool because it's not as if these main roster stars are being somehow demoted by going to NXT at all. It doesn't feel that way even a little bit. It's really, really cool that they're doing it. And I think they're having fun going there. I, I think that the being able to wrestle at the Performance Center with those uh, younger talents, those up-and-coming talents in front of that crowd... That seems to be something that the main roster people can really enjoy. That's different than, I think, the kind of performances that they're doing 
as they're on the road week to week. And, and they can, I, I guess, it seems to me that NXT is a more intimate setting. It's smaller. And I think that it probably allows for a different kind of interaction with the crowd that you're not going to get if you're performing in these giant kinds of arenas uh, around the country. And so I think that the main roster talent probably gets to enjoy this as well. And it's just, it's being done incredibly, incredibly well. It shows how smart I think people running things at WWE are. I don't know who came up with this idea. I don't know if this is like Shawn Michaels. I don't know if this is Triple H. I don't know if it's somebody whose name we wouldn't know. They're just working there, coming up with ideas. But whoever's coming up with this idea of the kind of cross-pollination between NXT and the main roster is really, really smart. It's being done, in my opinion, in an incredibly wonderful, artful, great way. So that's number two. NXT viewership's going up, and I think that that's cool. So the third thing, Eddie Kingston at AEW Grand Slam this weekend. Eddie Kingston pulled out a win over Claudio, and I have an icy cold take for you here. I think that Eddie Kingston is the dusty roads of this day and age. Yes, that is my icy cold take. I'm going to repeat it. I think that Eddie Kingston is the dusty roads of this day and age. Why do I say that? Because I see a lot of similarities between Eddie Kingston and Dusty Rhodes. I do not think that Eddie Kingston is trying to be Dusty Rhodes. I don't think he's trying to copy what Dusty Rhodes did. I think that there is just a certain type of similarity between the two of the uh, them that in my mind, I see them and I'm like, when I'm watching Eddie Kingston and the effect that he has on the crowd, it reminds me of Dusty Rhodes. I'll try to explain this a little bit here. If you watch Eddie Kingston and Dusty Rhodes, you see two people who do not have the physique of a lot of other wrestlers. They don't. They have the physiques that they have. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they aren't, they don't look like some sort of uh, Greek statue or something like that because they are both so incredibly massively charismatic. They are able to perform in ways that draw you in and you find yourself wanting these wrestlers to be successful. People want, want a Dusty Rhodes to succeed, right? People want Eddie Kingston to succeed. He is, one of the, the claims that I'm going to make probably is I, however long I do this podcast, is that one of the most important factors in professional wrestling generally is relatability. And one of the most important things for wrestlers in particular is their ability to be relatable. If you have a wrestler that people cannot relate to, I do not think they're going to be successful. There's a lot of different ways that people can relate to wrestlers. They, you can relate to wrestlers because you think they are like you, but you can also relate to them because they're what you want to be, or they, they offer you some sort of fantasy fulfillment or something like that. But there's got to be some kind of relatability. And what Eddie Kingston and Dusty Rhodes did is they were some of the most relatable wrestlers. Dusty was one of the most relatable wrestlers I think there was. People who are wrestling fans, a lot of wrestling fans, could really relate to Dusty Rhodes for a lot of different reasons. And Eddie Kingston is similar. I think that he's somebody who a lot of people can relate to. The most relatable element I think that they, they share, that Eddie Kingston and Dusty Rhodes share, is that these are two people who had to bust their asses. They had to work really, really hard, and they had to endure a pretty significant amount of pain and suffering in order to succeed, and they did it. 
And I think that that is one of those stories that everybody can relate to. Everybody can relate to struggle because we all struggle. Everybody has struggles. I, even like really wealthy, affluent, powerful people, they, they have struggles. They probably don't have as much as people who are not wealthy and affluent, but they struggle. Everybody struggles. And when you have a wrestler who is able to understand that, that un, to under, the wrestler understands that the people who are watching them are people who struggle in their day-to-day lives, and they're able to sh- tell a story where they are struggling and have you buy into that story, that's really, really cool. The thing with both Eddie Kingston and Dusty Rhodes is that it's not only stories. These are not two guys who make it look like they're struggling, but really they weren't. No, these are two guys who really struggled. They got hurt because they were doing this incredibly physical thing. They got hurt often. Eddie Kingston has been hurt a lot. Dusty Rhodes got hurt a lot. And they keep on going. You know, they they persevere. This is the kind of thing that people like relating to and they, they want to relate to it. And I think that that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I was really happy to see Eddie Kingston win the Ring of Honor championship that he won. I don't know what is next for Eddie Kingston, but I I really just want to watch whatever is next for Eddie Kingston because I love watching Eddie Kingston do his thing. I think it's so much fun. And as I said, I think it's relatable. I like it a ton. So those are my three things. Grand Slam, Mox using the stomp, getting the Seth Rollins chant. NXT viewership is up. I think that a big reason for that is the way that... WWE is using the main roster to bring attention to NXT and the people who are at NXT doing it in a really smart way. And Eddie Kingston is somebody who I think is very similar to Dusty Rhodes, an extremely, extremely, extremely charismatic, very relatable wrestler. I really like that about him a lot. So here we are back for uh, this segment. This is a new thing I'm doing. Last time I tried a couple of different things. I tried talking about like the undercard and the midcard. Not doing that today. I changed the name of the podcast, changing the format a little bit too. So this new segment is going to be called The Heel Cause of Desire. And I'm calling it that because there's this, con- in addition to being a big professional wrestling dork, I'm also a practicing psychoanalyst. I'm a Lacanian analyst. I read a lot of really complicated psychological theory that was created by this guy named Jacques Lacan, who was a French psychoanalyst. And he has this interesting idea. I'm going to try to explain it simply. It's called the object cause of desire. He believed that people, you, me, all the people we know, we all are desiring. We are always wanting. We are not typically satisfied with what we have. We even if we have what we have is good, we want more than what we have. And to want something, to desire something, you have to not have it. You it's very difficult to desire something that you have. You know, and say you want to get something, it could be a piece of technology, it could be I don't know, a, a really cool hoodie from Roots of Fight, which is a 
clothing company that makes cool wrestling things, whatever, right? You there's there's the want the phase where you want whatever it is that you want you want it you want it you want it you want it and then like you get it and you're happy but that happiness doesn't stick around it's pretty fleeting because now you sort of find yourself thinking you want something else because just enjoying what you have isn't very fun we are always looking for more uh, this even happens in relationships I think I I believe uh, this is a bit of an editorial here apologies for this. You know, the the romantic relationships that work the best, I think, are not the ones where you 100% have the person who you are in a relationship with. The best romantic relationships are where, you know, you get some of that person, but not all of them. And you are always a little bit worried that if you don't sort of work at the relationship, that the person who you're in a relationship with might, you know, decide that they don't want to be with you. you. You don't totally have them. And because you don't totally have them, you want to work to keep them in a way, right? And so this is some of the ways that the object cause of desire operates. We want what we don't have. That That's the premise of this, okay? So I'm calling this segment the heel cause of desire because I think that the heel in professional wrestling is the, the person, the wrestler, who really brings the object cause of desire into existence for us, the fans, the heel is the person who typically denies us what it is that we want. And by denying it, it makes us hungry for more wrestling. A very general example here. There's a baby face. We like the baby face. We want the baby face to win. The baby face is prevented from winning by a heel. That's the heel taking the satisfaction of the baby faces when away from us, we lack it. We do not have it. And because we do not have it, we want it. And that means that we are going to watch the next show. We're going to go to the, we're going to watch the next premium live event, pay for the next pay-per-view, whatever, because we want to see what happens next. We don't know what's going to happen next. And we, and the reason we don't know what's going to happen next is because heels, you know, interject themselves in ways where they prevent things from coming to their conclusion and because they haven't concluded, we want to see what's going to happen next. So this is a really important thing here, right? So heels are, I think, the most important part of professional wrestling. They're the gas. They're the thing that makes it go. You need good heels. Uh, there's a thing that happens in movies, I think, where uh, a movie, if it's a certain kind of movie, is only as good as the villain. If you have a kind of rotten villain, a villain that's just like, I am evil, and that's all they are, and then the the goody beats them up and wins the day. That is not a fun movie to watch because it's, it's simple. It's boring. It's formulaic. We don't, we don't like that. This is a complaint. I think sometimes people have of some of the Marvel movies is that the bad guys are just like, so one dimensional, like they're, they're just awful and you just want the Avengers to beat them up. And then they do. And you're like, okay, that was, that was nice. But when you have a, a compelling villain, when you have a villain who kind of like has a point who isn't just bad, but is there's a story behind them, right? This is what makes for compelling storytelling. I think, right. Is when, when you have that, you need to have a heel in wrestling who is not just like, I'm going to go out there and do a run in and just like mess with the wrestlers that you like. I'm just going to be evil. I'm just going to be awful. No, there has to be more to them than that. And there's somebody who I think is operating as a heel today who is doing an incredibly good job because he's a really interesting villain for us. And that's Shinsuke Nakamura. 
I'm watching what Shinsuke Nakamura is doing with Seth Rollins, and I am into it. I think it is so good right now. Shinsuke, you know, lost to Seth Rollins at the last premium live event. You know, he challenged Seth Rollins for the heavyweight title. He lost, but the story didn't end because even though he lost after the match was over, he beat on Rollins, who has a back injury. And, you know, just he's like, I might have lost the match, but I'm going to keep hurting you. And this made Seth Rollins, you know, come out on the next Raw and say, like, Shinsuke Nakamura, get out here. We're going to, you, you cheap shot at me. I'm going to, let's have a rematch right now so I can beat you again. And what does Shinsuke do? He comes out. Everybody gets amped up. Are we going to see another amazing, you know, banger of a match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins again? I was thinking that. I was like, this could be amazing. I like it when wrestling promotions like WWE and AEW put important consequential matches not only on their pay-per-views and premium live events, but when they put them on regular TV, I think that's really cool. Now, I understand they're not going to do that all the time. It, it wouldn't mean as much if they did it all the time, but if they do it here and there, it's really an event. It's cool when they do it. I thought, yes, we're going to see this, right? But we didn't. We didn't see it because Shinsuke Nakamura is a great heel. He looked at Seth Rollins and he went, no. He denied us what we wanted, which made us angry, which made us frustrated, which made us want to see the match even more than we did before he said no. This is a great heel. He and the story that he's telling is a great story. He lost a match and turned that loss into something. It's like, it doesn't matter that I lost because I'm playing the long game here. And it's almost as if he doesn't even care that he lost the match. That It wasn't his plan to win the match with Seth Rollins. That's not what he was trying to do. He is doing this thing, and this is, this is another brilliant thing that he's doing right now. He is telling a story, and the story that he's telling is very interesting for a number of reasons. First reason is that I think a lot of times when we watch wrestling, we, we might not realize this, but there's certain formulas that are presented to us and we just kind of buy them because that's the way that they do wrestling. And it's great when somebody kind of breaks the formula, when they do something you didn't expect, you know, the bloodline storyline is something that breaks the formula. It is this incredibly, incredibly, incredibly long, nuanced, multi-layered. It's not even that it has multiple chapters. It has multiple volumes in it story that is being told now over a number of years. That is not the norm in wrestling, but this is a really cool thing that they're doing. I think what Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins are doing in this story is, I don't know how long it's going to go on, but I think they're they're saying like, let's not just do a quickie here. Let's not just have it be that Shinsuke is the latest guy who Seth Rollins you know, beats, and then he's going to move on to the next one, whoever that happens to be. No, he they're, they're keeping the story going and what they're doing is they're giving us, I think, again, something that we can relate to here. Seth Rollins is hurt. He has a back injury. I've been hurt. You, whoever you are, you've been hurt. You know what it's like to be hurt. I've actually hurt my back. Hurting your back is awful. It's agony. Maybe you've hurt your back and you can relate to that, right? So he's he's got a hurt back. I think that makes that endears Seth Rollins to us. It's like, here's this guy who's hurt and he's still doing this thing. He's performing in this way that's very physical, and, but we love watching it and he's doing it even though he's hurt. That, that makes us like him even more. And here's Shinsuke Nakamura. He's coming out and he's going he's to just like beat on that injury. 
he's not trying to cripple Seth Rollins in one gigantic blow. He's not trying to do like one big finisher move, squash match, this is over kind of thing. No. What he's trying to do is very slowly, methodically, bit by bit by bit by bit, slowly work that injury and get to the point where he is going to be able to take out Seth Rollins. I think that is what is going to happen here. I don't know how long it's going to take, but this is a cool story. And it makes us like Seth more. I think it makes us dislike Shinsuke. You know, what a, what a jerk doing that to a guy with a hurt back. But he's doing it so great. Shinsuke Nakamura as a baby face, which is what he was for a long time, eh, you know, it was, it was okay. I, I didn't dislike it. But Shinsuke Nakamura as a heel is incredible. It's amazing heel work. I really, really love what they're doing with this story. It's super, super good. And I want to see it continue. I want to see what's going to happen next. Shinsuke Nakamura has piqued my desire. He makes me want to know how is this going to turn out. He makes me want to know what he's going to do next. He makes me want to know if Seth is going to be okay or not. He he is really, really nailing that object cause a desire thing in a big way. Seth Rollins is being a great partner in this story, I think. He's doing things that are, are great as well. He's going out. He keeps on trying to get at Shinsuke, but he can't quite do it. And the most recent thing where he was just like, hey, I just got to take my hands off the wheel. You're, it was good. And I don't know. The, the, this is the next part of the story that I, I really like. The story makes sense. I'm watching it unfold, and I'm like, okay, so Seth has a hurt back. Shinsuke is kind of trying to slowly work that injury. That makes sense. That's consistent. I, I see the logic there. That that make, Seth Rollins challenges him to a rematch. He says no. But then he gets some more shots in on the back without having to do a full match. That that makes that smart. That's consistent. There's some logic there. I like it. The The story is a very logically consistent kind of story that, that at no point am I finding myself watching it going like, I, I don't buy that. That does not make sense. Uh, why would somebody do that? It, it, to, let's compare that to something else here for a second. Uh, when Jimmy Uso super kicked Jay Uso and prevented him from winning against Roman Reigns and people were like, okay, why do you do that? I was like, I'm really interested to see what they're going to say. And then when he came out and he was like, I did that because I, I love you and I don't want you to be corrupted by the power of the tribal chief or, or whatever. I found myself thinking that doesn't work for me to tell you the truth, because there's a lot of ways that Jimmy could have interfered in the match that prevented Jay from winning that didn't involve him super kicking Jay. Right. So the logic kind of made sense. I thought like, yeah, Jimmy wanting to save Jay from the corrupting power of being the tribal chief. I buy that. I actually do. I think that that's kind of an interesting idea. Didn't, but helping him by super kicking him. No, I couldn't, I couldn't go there. I couldn't get behind that personally, but it, I mean, it's wrestling. I'm not good. I'm not too hung up on it. I still think it's a great story and I still want to see what's going to happen next. But that part, I watched that and I was just like, huh? Then I heard the explanation and I was like, what? That is not happening in the Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins thing. The story that they're telling is not, doesn't so far anyways, has not had any moments like that. It's always been like, yeah, I, I can, I can get with that. I can see how that makes sense. I, I buy it. I buy it. And so I buy it. I like it. 
And boy, is it making me want to see what's going to happen next. Okay. So that's the heel cause of desire. Hopefully you liked that segment. I like doing that segment. Hopefully you liked listening to it. Let's do a bit of a transition here. All right, we are back. And on this segment of the podcast, it's going to be a short segment of the podcast. It's called This Podcast Is Not Brought to You By. And here's my thoughts here. There are some podcasts that are really lucky enough to get sponsors. People sponsor the person making the podcast. They send them you know, money or stuff. And in return, that podcaster talks about that company on their show. I don't have any sponsors, none, zero, not a surprise. I've done two podcasts. Why would I have sponsors? Um, and I probably will never have sponsors, but there are things that I really, really like a lot. There are products, there are services, there are books, films, music, uh, just a bunch of stuff that I like and I want to talk to you about it. Now, if I talk about it on this podcast, it's probably going to be in some way related to wrestling. It's not going to just be like, hey, I like this thing that has nothing to do with wrestling. That wouldn't make sense. But I am going to talk about other things that I really dig that I think also have something to do with wrestling. So on this, the very first segment of this podcast is not brought to you by, I want to talk about an episode of another podcast and YouTube channel called Not Sam Wrestling. It is a podcast slash YouTube channel, which is done by a guy named Sam Roberts, you might have heard of Sam Roberts. He's been around the world of professional wrestling for a long time. He has done some really, really interesting stuff. And if you don't know who he is, you should Google him and figure out what he does because he does cool things. But anyway, there's a certain episode. It's the As I'm recording this, it's the most recent episode that he did where Sam talks about how WWE has entered into a the next phase of whatever it is it's going to be now that it is a subsidiary of TKO. Uh, on the episode, Sam gives a really interesting, nice, succinct, thorough, but succinct history of the WWE and how it has changed over time from when it was founded as the Capital Wrestling Company to becoming the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the Triple WF to the WWF, to WWE, to where it is now, this is the first time in that company's entire history, which is a pretty long history, where it is not going to be a family-owned business under the total control of a member of the McMahon family. This is the first time. It's now, the, the McMahons are now not the top dog. They have people who they are answering to. And this has never happened before. This has never happened at WWE. And Sam Roberts does this really great job of explaining the history of this and what he thinks are the implications of this next phase. I'm not going to repeat what he said because you can just go listen to the show or watch the show on YouTube if you want. But I really liked it a ton. And it's representative of, I think, the incredible work that Sam Roberts does and the really great content that Sam Roberts produces so Sam Roberts is not my sponsor. He doesn't give me a thing, but I like what he does. And I wanted to tell all of you about it. You're probably already listening to Sam Roberts, but you never know. Just in case you weren't, I think you should go listen to Not Sam Wrestling. That's his podcast or watch Not Sam Wrestling. That's his YouTube channel. 
Uh, there's not really much of a difference. The podcast is obviously just audio. The YouTube is also some video, and he does great interviews, lots and lots of good stuff there. And the most recent episode is banger. You should watch it. You should listen to it. It's good. And that is a wrap for me. So I'm going to stop talking into this microphone. I'm going to go now and do different things and stuff that I need to do today. This is the second episode of this podcast, Me Heart Wrestling. I am your host, Neil Gorman. Before I go, there's one last thing I do need to say. Please, 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 folks, whoever you are, wherever you are, make some glorious mistakes. Take care.